0: Okay, I have two questions. First, yeah. am I trustworthy?
1: <laughs> oh man, you know what? You are probably the rare exception, um, being that you are named Veronica.
0: Hell uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't trust women by the name of Veronica because
1: of a song from the group Onyx called Veronica, author album Shut 'em down. So if you, if you heard that song, um, the woman named Veronica on that song was not trustworthy at all. And you, however, have proven that wrong, so yes, you are indeed trustworthy.
0: Okay, and then my last question, what will it take for you to watch an anime?
1: <laughs> an act of God.
0: drive it's been a while but i'm back to share more stories uh here with me today is rock knowledge who is co-host of the map mania podcast and the Mike man of rhyme and reason radio in the phoenix arizona area how are you doing
1: i am good glad
2: to
0: be here gonna talk a little bit share the stories um it's gonna be fun we're having a good time yeah no i'm super excited uh i've again heard you only on the podcast so i'm really lucky to have an opportunity to kind of have like a one-on-one First off uh, how are you how's your week man i am i'm not gonna lie i'm glad it's friday night I'm, I'm relaxing right now um i was just outside a couple
2: minutes ago i had a conversation with my girl mary jane um you know just to share some stories with her real quick came, came back in here
1: um let talk a little bit looking forward to the nice to have a couple days to just unplug and unwind and um, just, just kind of relax and not think about the day to day grind.
0: Yeah. I understand. And what do you usually do like on a weekly basis? Do you have like a normal like 9 to 5 or like what's your, your thing yeah. usually?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually I do have a uh, an actual job job. Um, I manage uh, short-term disability and like FMLA claims for um, people who work for the company that were hired to handle this by it's, it's an interesting job. I'll tell you that much.
0: Yeah, I'm interesting.
2: Sure.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, and I do that, and then um, obviously you know we got Mad Mania every week, so I'm a, I'm a pretty busy guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure. So um, I guess like just to kind of like let everyone who's listening know like what my first impressions with you were is that. Um, I've heard you first on the Mapmania mania podcast and so far right now, like that's my favorite, um, podcast that I've been listening to as of recently and basically like when I first started listening to it I wasn't like sure about it because like Rand was like oh hey I got this podcast I'm like okay that's cool and then finally <laughs> I actually sat down and I listened to a few episodes and I thought to myself like oh this is this shit's really funny I love this stuff <laughs> and then I identified you and the whole like group of guys like you uh, uh, The Neo X, T-Call and, and Ran I identified you as the person who was always angry or super skeptical of everything so <laughs> so what was your like were, are you just like naturally skeptical or is that just like a facade on the on the uh, show
1: my um, life began simply you can, you can over the course of 9 months um, i grew i, one of the I became the next Canadian chosen one chosen to carry on a knows. legacy that great um, men have held for me in don't that. I, I don't paint like that. I, I don't and like pages, um, I don't like that. I don't like that. I do Some people can't. Honestly, I adhere to the fact next. that I grew my up as a individual. teenager my in the 90s who so was in love with hip hop. And the music Nothing that I was so in love with was a soundtrack to my life. And. It's still the music i listen to do today. As someone who's about to be 39 later this year, um, it's still the the thing that makes me the happiest. It, it, it brings back the most memories, and it means the most. I'm never hitting my bottom. Never things are way, and really Like the music what now, what I, I, I don't like the sound. The history right. Like, no, and miraculous miraculous no attachment to it. So I, I will flat out like, you know, I I that's my, up eyes, I, wasn't my life, sand and sand I
2: just kind of blame it on the
1: era that I was kind of like not birthed in, but I grew in up in. Mean, my teenage
2: years, you were
1: hard pressed not to find where headphones on, or in my room was then the cassette, the or when
2: Wednesday
1: I got like, you Nick has been my life, and everything in my life revolves around me. The blue okay the so it sounds like
0: you're i like to consider when you're a teenager or like your your middle school undeniable. age as means of like the the time that your body is really soaking in whatever genres that you're exposed to um yeah. and so during that time who do you feel were um kind of like the 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 artists that would pop out the most so to give you some perspective in the nineties I was, I was a child. So, um, I was born in 91. Um, but I also understand the influence that like, you know, for example, nineties hip hop had, uh, for me, like what sticks out is usually like a tribe called quest. Um, but what was your, your upbringing and what was, what were the sounds that influenced you the most? Um, it's like my
1: love for music. It started, I want to say before I was exposed to hip hop, like, um, my father, my mom's side, um, was huge into music. Uh, he, he had, like, his back room at my nana's house was his music room. He had his stereo, the stack stereo system, the big speakers. And he would listen to everything from, you know, Mexican music to rock music to, you know, whatever. And I would always, you know, hear things. <clears throat> and then, you know, um, hearing music around, you know, that my parents weren't into. like. I, I'm a huge... I'm a huge, huge fan of Gloria Estefan on the Miami sound machine because of my parents. Um, I grew up listening to that so um, you know it kind of started with that and then it kind of went a little bit further into um, I want to say I discovered hip-hop when I was man, I think I discovered it when I was probably nine or 10. It wasn't until I was probably 12. Uh, not even 12,
2: like 12 to 13 is when it really, really clicked. Okay. Um,
1: I was a huge, huge instillator to this day. Um, I love West Coast gangster music, like gangster rap, and some people find that hard to believe. Because <laughs> most of the time I'm out, um,
2: East Coast, East Coast, East Coast. I I love classic
1: West Coast gangster shit. So from the chronic to doggy style to dog food. Albums from mc Spice One, The Loonies—I mean, all that stuff. Um, it started there, and then, God, one day, um, I heard—I heard this group from Staten Island called the Wu-Tang Clan.
0: Yes. And
1: <laughs> I, I'll just say that once I heard that, I think everything with me musically shifted. Um, I was blown away. I had never heard anything like this. I wasn't, like, really big into kung fu movies. Like, I I had seen kung fu movies, um, but I wasn't particularly, like, you wouldn't catch me just watching them on a Saturday. But hearing the samples and just the muddy drums and how the, the sound is just real dirty and just real, just, it's nasty. It sounds yeah. dirty. Yeah. Um, it's muddy. Um, if you're in the, I guess, if anyone out there listening is, is familiar
2: with music, totally understand what I'm saying when I say it's muddy and it it's thick, but it's, you know that. Yeah. Um, it's just the sound. Um, so yeah, Wu-Tang happened and
1: man, it just it just took off. I mean, from there, obviously following all the solo members, breaking off and doing solo records, um, uh-huh. then Biggie, Nas, who Nas to me has got MC. Um, there is no one better than Nasir Jones, fight me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like ho but then like I'm I'm a huge bootcamp click fan love Sean P R.I.P um Mobb Deep R.I.P the Prodigy um those are just just that whole like that whole sound just the like I want to say for me I always say that the best era in hip hop occurred between 1992 and 1998 those are the greatest years in hip hop and to me I say this I think they'll never be matched and or topped um I would love to be proved wrong. I would love for like, you know, six consecutive years of just straight heat from mm-hmm. um, everything happened again, but the, the way music is released now, that'll probably never happen. Right. Um, so I mean, it, yeah, it was just, it, it, it was, it was Wu-Tang. And, um, it's funny. I have like, I have a handful of, of vivid memories in my life that I can, like, I can literally tell you every minute detail. Um, of
2: these events because they, they stuck with me. Um, like the first one uh, is when, is the night that my mom
1: and my dad split. I'll never forget that night. The second one, coincidentally enough, revolves around Wu Tang forever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was a teenager who didn't have a car, couldn't drive. Uh, I woke up on release day, back when the albums came out on Tuesdays. I missed Tuesdays. Damn, I missed Tuesdays. Um, and my stepmom, Took me to the Best Buy. One of the Best Buys near the house. So we're cruising in the in the family teal Chevy Lumina van. We're driving to Best Buy. I can't. I can't wait. I can't wait to get there. We get there. She doesn't even get the car fully stopped, and I'm out the side door, Run in the store. Find the album. Pick it up. Double CD.
2: Go to the go to the line. The kid in front of me holding the same CD. We didn't say
1: anything <laughs> to each other a little head nod yeah paid i paid so i paid left the store jumped back in the car car didn't have a cd player it was a cassette player i couldn't even listen to it in the car so <laughs> i opened it up i read the liner notes because i'm a music nerd and i love reading all the samples who's on what i love reading the thank yous um i just like all that stuff i miss that stuff um pull up to my dad's house, I hop out of, I hop out of the, the van again, she doesn't even get it stopped, run in the house, go to my room, close my door, sit there for the next, like, three hours, listening to the CD on repeat.
2: Yeah. Like, that entire day, like, was Wu-Tang, it was
1: sunny, it was just, it was a warm day, like, it was crazy, like, the way I, just the, the things I can pinpoint from that, like, it was just crazy. Um, so yeah, that was that was you know, the music that was kind of responsible for why I uh don't like a lot of things these <laughs> days. And it by taste, I'm just I'm just real picky. Real, real picky. So um mm-hmm. uh, some people can take it, some people can't. I get called a hater a lot. I get people tell me I'm just angry all the time. I'm just like I'm rock.
0: Mhm. You grew up in what you grew up to, you know, Um, and I 100 percent understand that. Um, So I kind of want to go back to your story about how like you're in the store and you grabbed your CD and like you you're having a moment of when you're really like cherishing it and like soaking it in. Um, I feel like that excitement for music or the release of music isn't the same anymore um because i can remember when i was a kid um really looking at my mom's like old cassettes and she had some like old school stuff she listened to a lot of like kelly's price she listened to whitney houston um and so um she also loved like anita baker and stuff like that but whenever she would go to a store and buy like a new cassette or a new cd again i was really young i remember i would like sit there looking at all the album art looking at all the pictures and really trying to soak that in whereas now i I don't do that at all. It's like, if someone has a new, if someone has new shit out, like, I just look, find it on, like, Spotify or Apple Music. Or, like, if it's, like, super hard to find, then I'll try to find it on SoundCloud or, um, or YouTube. And all I do is just listen to it. Just because the accessibility is, like, super easy now. So what are your thoughts on, like, how music is digested now instead of that? Uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, never understood why they changed the release date from Tuesday to Friday. It's been
1: Tuesday forever. <laughs> I never understand that. Uh, it's weird. I don't like Friday release dates. I don't, cause I, to me, I'm like, I don't know, like, it's the weekend and maybe I'm not thinking about, like, what's coming out. I'm thinking about my weekend, so I'm not going to listen to it till like, Monday or Tuesday anyway. Mm-hmm. i just put it out the day when then nobody's got anything going on. Um, I also feel like music these days it's too, it's too easy. It's too easy to rec- record, upload, and then anybody can listen to it anywhere in the world. Um, music is consumed differently. It is digested differently. Um, you're hard pressed to actually find a store that sells actual CDs. I don't think Best Buy even carries CDs anymore. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that's Because that used to be a huge part of their store. They used to have everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Target and find CDs. But who goes to Target looking for CDs? I
1: don't. No. Um, was, even the music stores. Music stores are almost non-existent. There's no more warehouses, Sam Goodies. You might find a Virgin Mega store somewhere, maybe. Um, what other what FYE? I don't even, like, I don't even see these stores anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like, unless you're going to, like, a mom-and-pop, like, you know, a mom-and-pop record store that still sells stuff and still carries current new stuff. Um, another thing is, The physical release is becoming less and less, like, you know, you don't see everything come out in the physical, you know, where you can actually, like, hold it, look at it, you know, breathe it in, like, you don't really, you really can't do that anymore, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless you go to a show and you actually, like, buy the merch direct from the artist, or if you're a hardcore fan where, you know, no matter what, you're going to get a hard copy of the album because you want a hard copy of the album, you'll find it, but just the fact that anybody can open up any one of the, you know, any one of the handful of apps on their phone and listen to whatever they want to, and if they like it enough, they can go to whatever purchasing store they want to go to and, you know, buy it, and it's on their phone automatically. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to the anymore. You don't have to actually buy a, you don't have to buy a physical copy, um, and it's just stuff comes out. Like, I feel like, again, it's because I think it's so easy these days to release music, um, it's just oversaturation. Yeah. You know, there's 15, 20 albums that come out every Friday. I can't keep, I, I can't spin my head around fast enough to even want to try to consume most of it. Right. Like, and the other part is, too, like, for me, going back to just the way I am with music in general, like, I don't know if I necessarily want to take a chance on but I, I don't know if I want to waste 20 minutes of my life listening to an album I might not like when I know I got my, like fire playlist right here where I can just hit shuffle on like every song. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's tough. To, it's, it's tough, man. The way music is, is so different. Um, I don't think it's valued as much as it used to be valued, uh, which to me is sad because I think music is one of, if not the greatest forms of expression
2: yeah.
1: um, that has. Um, it's just, it's just, it, it's sad to see just where it it's going, you know, where it's gone. Uh, you know, technology does make things better, but at the same time, it, it also, I think as a consumer, it makes us lazy mm-hmm. um, when we get complete. Like, you know, I, I subscribe to Tidal and Spotify. Um, and even, like, clicking on the album cover, they'll give you the credit, but you don't, you don't get any of the liner notes. You don't get any of, like, the artist thank you, any of that stuff. Like, I miss all that stuff. That's why I, I'm a big fan of, like, actual physical cds sometimes like i at least want to open it up and hope there's a booklet in there hope it's not just one page or like a little <laughs> fold out yeah like keep it old. but also, keep it also we'll have like a 42 page booklet up in that bitch
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no i agree um i being me being myself like i i have like recorded uh but i i don't record as like a solo artist i record with like a big band so i'm an instrumentalist and we did release our album and we did have like a full booklet and we did have a lot of that stuff, but it's like a lot of our CD sales they spiked when we released our album because we had a big like album drop uh, concert. So we had to have people there. But other than that, like the sales itself, like just kind of died down. Um, and so I really like think about all the time, like how with, when I'm speaking with my band leaders, like how can we get our music to be more out there without having like physical sales of stuff, because there's this whole like minimalist movement, like people don't want to have a bunch of stuff anymore. Um, There's also this, uh, again, like it's so easy to record. (laughs) Like every I feel like two out of five people I know, like have their own setup at home, or they have a setup somewhere, and they like regularly record or just like put stuff out there. And then, like, you know, again, like, the oversaturation of just, like, media and music in general, like, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, it's on uh, it's on SoundCloud, it's it's everywhere, essentially. So, um, music is getting really hard to make yourself look, like, stick out, you know what I mean? Like, it's really hard as, as an artist to, like, really stick out, and so... And also how to appeal to consumers who aren't just like trying to look for something that just sounds the same or like for them to not blow you off and think that you're whack or garbage. (laughs) Not not even that. You also got to realize that people these days have the attention span of like a Mm three-year-old. Like people don't have, you know, people don't pay attention to, you know,
1: something when then something brand new and shiny comes out two days later, you're going to go to that. Yeah. something else comes that you go to that. Like, people don't have the same attention span they once did, you know, where they're constantly being, like, berated with, like, new, new this, new this, new this, new this, and it's all, like, in the palm of your hand, essentially. Like, you can get, you can, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad, like, how easy it is to get detached from, like, humanity while you're on your cell phone and you're on, like, Twitter and Instagram and you're on the internet on your phone and you're, like, you're present, but you're not present. And like everybody around
0: you is present, but they're not present. So who's really there? You mm-hmm. know, like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. No, I understand that. So um, let's move on to like the next thing, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you got into Rhyme and Reason Radio. Um, I didn't realize that was like a brand because, again, I live out here in California. Um, yeah. and so the first time I've seen like that title before was, um, Rocky, Rocky Tyrade, who's a rapper out there. He did, uh, this, the single called, um, the Cor- coronation and yeah. next to it, what said Ryman reason coronation. I thought that was the whole title of the thing. And then when I was listening to your podcast, I realized that, oh, this is actually a thing. So can you like explain how you got into that?
1: Yeah, Ramen Reason Radio. So, um, Ramen Reason Radio is the offspring of Friday Night Flavors uh, that aired out here, Phoenix, Arizona. If you're in Arizona listening to this, it was Power ninety two, then um, it became Power ninety eight. So it was originally on Power um, about two thousand four, two thousand five. Um, I was involved in a group. Uh, called the Society of Invisibles, um, we were a, a hip-hop group. We were signed to Baby Grand. We toured a little bit. Um, oh shit! And yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we we were doing that, and it came time for us to do some
2: radio, and um, I was the one that did. I, I
1: reached out to to Matlocks. Um, that was uh, at the time was the host uh, with Poker Face, Squeak Boogie, uh, M2. On the decks, Um, Robbie Rob was up there. Um, These are all AZ legends. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went up there for an interview. Um, In TSOI, like it was a group of of super MCs, and then you had me, who's a spoken word poet. Um, So you know, when it came time to do songs, I wasn't really on a lot of stuff. Uh, But for some reason, like during the interview, I was doing most of the talking Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, for whatever. Um, and then you know just from that interview me and Matlock struck up a relationship. Um, we were obviously we bonded because of the music it was it was hip-hop and that's another funny thing about hip-hop. Um, some of my most cherished relationships in my life are
2: because of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matlock one of, that's my big brother. Uh,
1: so we just kind of clicked via the music and then it got to a point where I was just, he was like, yo, if you ever just want to come up on a Friday night and hang out, um, you know, just hit me up and let me know. Um, and that's, like, not a common thing in radio. You just don't invite people up to the studio just to sit there and hang out. It's not really a common thing at all. Oh, I see. Um, typically, yeah, typically you're just there to, like, do business, the show, and you might have guests come through that'll come here and there, but you don't just invite anyone just to hang out, just to hang out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, you know, Matt was like, yo, just just hit me up, and I was like, shit, okay. Tell me, like, I'm not gonna hit you up every fucking Friday night so I can come up there and hang out and listen to hip hop for three hours and just talk talk music.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, like, I was literally there like every Friday for a, probably over a year straight, didn't miss a Friday.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, got to the point where like I would go, um, like if they had like guests coming in that were in town, I would go get them downstairs. Or, you know, they would let me go get the artists. Uh, they would let me crack the mic and talk every once in a while, um, so just doing that. And then um, Matt left Power, and then one night, um, he, he by that time we were really good friends. Um, you know, we all were we, were we were homies. And I got a call. He was like, "Yo, um, I'm about to go to 101.5 Jams. Um, they're gonna give me a time slot. He's like, I want to show. He's like, I want you to be my co-host." And I was like, "Word, okay." Um, you know, Mister, no radio background, never was an intern, um, nothing. I, I always say that like I got into it. I got into it real easy. Um, I didn't have to do any of the any of the grunt work to get it. Yeah. Um, so you know, the time came, and oddly enough, we're recording this podcast on March eighth, twenty nineteen. Um, March 9th, Aside from it being you know Biggie's anniversary. It's also Ryman Reason's anniversary, so um, had we not got screwed over after our 10th anniversary last year by a party who shall remain unknow- unnamed, <laughs> we would, would actually be celebrating 11 years on the air today, uh, tomorrow. Um, but it's all good. We celebrated. We, we did 10 years, um, but uh, let me rewind a little bit since I kind of got off track there. So, yeah, Matt hit me up, and he's like, yo, I got a time slot. so We premiered on uh, one of my five jams, March 9th, did a Biggie tribute show, which is, we would always do that because it's Biggie and he's, you know, one, one beat of Nas is a 1A to me. Um, and from there it was just, um, man, it was just, it, it was, it was, a, it was a dope ride just meeting. I got to meet, I always say that because of the reason, I got to meet all of my rhyming heroes. Yeah. Um, I got, I got to meet Nas, um, This is a funny story. We interviewed Nas. um, I should say Rock asked one question, put his head down, and then gave the microphone to Matlocks. Matlock did the interview because Rock was starstruck.
0: Oh, oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. Looking back, I'm so mad at myself uh, for not asking the questions that I really wanted to ask. Um, But at the same time, like, I get it, like, like that's a, that, that was, like, a huge moment for me.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, that's, the, that's like, one of, the, that, that's one of the reasons why I ever picked up a pen to write. And I got to meet him. Um, and on top of that, I got my copy of, I got an original sealed copy of Illmatic on vinyl signed by him. I got Illmatic signed by him, and I got, it was written signed by him, all vinyl. Yes.
2: Um, didn't get a photo, but it's okay. You know, I wanted one really bad.
1: <laughs> um so yeah, so so yeah, Matlock did that interview. Um but then I got I, I mean I met everyone from Race of Five Nine to Crooked Eye to Absol from P D E. Yeah, um Well Ortiz, um Strong On Steady. Um man, we we befriend, we, we became really good friends with Dave in New York. Um, if you are familiar at all with Jay Dilla,
2: mm-hmm. um
1: or any of those artists, Plum Village, you know, Talib Quality, Reflection Eternal, all that stuff. You'll know Dave Dave New Yorker. Shout out to Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and just just meeting these people and, like I said, it, it was just for me. It was just crazy dope to like, you know, grow up listening to some of these or being like fans of these, and you meet them and they're real people. Like, when well, was one night we had Chino XL? Chino XL came up to, to, to flavors. And afterwards, we, we all we all bounced out to the, to the Waffle House, like, 4 in the morning with Chino XL. We were just hanging out.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, you find
1: out well, I, I, dudes are mad cool. Yeah. Like, they're just regular dudes that just know how to
2: rhyme exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, so, you know, rhyme and reason has been great, you know, I, and then a, another
1: one that I met and got to interview that meant a lot to me. Um, I'm a huge Joe Budden fan. If you follow me on Twitter, oh, you're
0: very aware. you're not allowed to say oh, that. Oh, no, I'm just or, kidding. <laughs> no, you can say that here. <laughs> oh, but it,
1: it, or if you listen to the Matt Mania podcast, you're aware <laughs> that we are no longer allowed to mention the Joe Budden podcast on the Matt Mania podcast because of me. So <laughs> uh, that was a rule that Rand decided to implement one night while I wasn't there, and I felt, I felt attacked, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah. I got to interview Joe. I hosted uh, his show out here. And if anyone's familiar with Joe Budden, you're pretty much aware that Joe Budden hates doing radio interviews, hates doing interviews, period. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, I can say with full confidence that I believe uh, that I probably have a top five Joe Budden interview that I did with him Um, because it was fucking dope. And he was like, I think I surprised him because I don't think he realized how big of a fan I was. Um, so I knew, I just knew a lot, so I was hitting them with a lot of just not normal interview questions, so
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah, that one meant a lot to me too, because like I said, I'm a big, I'm a big Joey fan, so yeah. um, I'm, I'm grateful for everything that rhyme and Reason has, has brought to my life, and it, it, it's still a part of me. Um, it's kind of sad that we're not on the air anymore, that we got the, the, you know, our, our, the plug pulled literally the night after we celebrated 10 years. Um, it hurts. Um, it may or may not come back. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we, haven't, we haven't fully decided that we want to relaunch. We were, you know, trying to do it, but, you know, everybody involved is also a, you know, a regular a, a regular person, you know, during the week. So, mm-hmm. you know, life happens. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, Round Reason Radio was, was a huge 10-year run. Um, I miss. Doing the intro, I miss you know, being like, "Yo, what up?" This is Rock Nomics, this is Robin Reason Radio, one hundred one point one The Beat. I miss doing that. I miss cracking the mic every week. I miss getting like tests and people that were listening when they're in the other states, and I just, I miss it. But um, I'm got to have the podcast. The podcast is a great outlet. Um, I'm real, I'm real grateful to Rand for the opportunity. So um, I can at least get my shit off somewhere.
0: Yeah, um, that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, speaking of that podcast, like I know um, early on, um, Rand was doing a lot of like solo work with that podcast, like you know, like episode one, two, whatever. Um, but now there's like an arsenal of you guys. Um, so how did you what? How did you get into doing the uh, wrestling podcast with them? Uh,
1: <clears throat> so. Essentially, I was—I had been a guest on the show, um, like back when it was just Rand it, you know, in the, in, at his crib. I was a guest, um, and then um, I was a guest again when they were doing it over at what we record now at Digilabs. And at that time, it was just random antique every week, and they would have pretty much guests so they could have you know an extra person to talk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it just got to the point where it was like. You know, Rand was like, yo, it's kind of funny. Rand was like, hey, man, if you ever want to come back, the door's always open. Um, it's kind of like what happened with, with you know, not locking flavors. I'm like, oh, word, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be here for a week. And lo and behold, I was pretty much there every week, you know, consistently. And then, you know, Dave was up there every week consistently. Um, I, have, I mean, me and Rand, have been, for me and Rand, have been friends for, man, I've known Rand
2: for over, I want to say over 10 uh, probably over ten years.
1: Okay. Um, so you know, and I, I mean, obviously, even before Matt Mani, I was me and Random. We were in the Writers Guild together. Like I was one of the original members of the Writers Guild. Okay. Um, yeah, I was. In, I was in the original. The original setup. I mean, the name, of the Writers Guild, actually came from me. Um, those are all. Those are all my guys. So shout out to Rand, Penny, Miranda, Rocky, dm 3 Slop, everybody. Um, but yeah. Um, so you know, I was just up there every week, and then uh, Rand was like, "Yo, you know, we you know want to officially, you know, bring you on as a full-time you know member of the crew." And I was like, "Hell yeah!" So um, it's fun. Like I'm I'm a big I'm, I'm a big wrestling fan. I feel like I, I feel like what I bring to the podcast is unique.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think everybody brings their own unique style. Um, I'm the in-your-face blunt i'm gonna talk my shit um which is what i do i that's kind of always been me you've just seen every aspect of my <laughs> life and it's uh it's a lot of fun just hanging out with the boys you know talking shop talking wrestling yeah. talking hip-hop talk dick, um you know talking snacks of the week everything <laughs> that we do you know everything everything that we do um it's a lot of fun like i said it's uh we all have our own. We, we all have opinions. It never, it doesn't get, it doesn't ever get like super heated. We don't ever really argue about things. We just, you know, we talk loudly a little bit, and then it's over. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody feels the way they feel, and it's a, uh, it's a good mix. There's good chemistry between the four of us, and then it's also dope because you know, Random is a, you know, he, he makes his, his living being a recording artist. So, Rand's on the road touring. Rand, you know, got to do this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he can go out town and know that if he's out, he's not there. You know, the the show's in good hands. Um, We're going to hold them down. You know, we're going to hold them down as we always do. Um, The show's still going to be dope, you know. So, you know, it's nice to have, you know, four guys who are all on the same page, you know, trying to make this thing bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like 2019 has gotten off to a really good start, you know, for us with everything we've been doing between, you know, the live events around World Rumble weekend and everything we did, all the after parties. Yeah. Huge for us. Then you know, I mean, as if you're a fan or you listen to, if you're a fan of Random or Mega Rand, whatever you whatever you know him as, <laughs> um, or, or if you're a fan of the podcast, um, you should be aware that um, Random is going to be out in Las Vegas uh, next weekend, the 15th, 16th, I believe, hosting Ring of Honor, um, which is super dope. Like I'm, I'm super excited for him. Um, he's also going to be going to New York over uh, Mania weekend to host Ring of Honor's event, or be at Ring of Honor's event um, at Madison Square Garden.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that's for dope, you know. So things are going really well. We have uh, we just got a brand new logo. We just got some new merch. Um, I love the I love the shirts we got. Um, I can't stress it enough. If people want to go out there and support. Go to com, search Mad Mania podcast, pick up one of the shirts um they're dope i'm not just saying that because
0: i'm a part of it I just I think they're really dope. <laughs> no so, they are uh, uh to be honest i i get so personally for me i really try to <laughs> like whenever i go to a show and i want to support the artist like i'll try i i want to buy stuff but again minimalist life going back to that um so if i see merch and it's like a really cool design i'm like all right i'll buy it you know um but when it when I saw your guys' shirts, I was like, okay, I really like the logo. It's simple. It's not overwhelming. It actually represents you guys really well. And then I think you guys had the, um, you guys had the death jam, uh, design. Did they get I that right? Death row. Oh, death row. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, uh, yeah. Death row, uh, design. I went, Oh, that's super sweet. And then you guys came out with a new design. So I was just like, okay, they're, they're really making sure they're making good decisions on the designs here. And I'm, I'm very like design oriented. So every time I see something like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And if I see something I don't like, I'm like, I don't know if I want to wear that, you know, like, (laughs) um, this is just me like talking from like third person. Right. So, um, but yeah, no, you guys have been doing super well. I I look forward to listening to you guys every single week. Um, I really appreciate all the shenanigans that happen in between or during the episodes. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, Like snack of the week. Like that's, that's so like, I really like how you guys, um, definitely like, you know, shout out to women. You guys are like an all male group, but not only that you shout out to women, but you guys also support women. Like God knows how, how many of your guys like raw or SmackDown discussions revolved around women And that's a, yeah, and that's a big thing to me, because, you know, wrestling, so, I guess, side, side tangent, I watched wrestling back in, like, 2005, and I kind of stopped watching it around 2008, um, and so it was super male-heavy, but it wasn't, like, a bad thing, like, I really loved Evolution, like, I loved Dave Batista, Ric Flair, Triple H, you know, and, um... I also really loved uh, Kane at the time. I really liked Kane. He was like one of my favorite like heels. Um, but I kind of phased out because you know, life happens. I started, I started going to school. I was also kind of having a weird, like, nerdy identity crisis. So, like, if I were to admit that I liked wrestling and anime, <laughs> I felt like I was going to be shut out from a lot of people. So I'm like, okay, I can't tell that card to anybody. So I exposed myself less, and I just kind of had like a weird, like, transition of like being for myself. And so then, um, kind of phasing out of college, um, I mean, I graduated, but <laughs> phasing out, um, I you know that's when ran came back well, that's when i met ran and then ran was like oh i do a wrestling podcast and i'm like oh okay that's cool and i started listening to you guys i'm like wow i miss wrestling i miss watching wrestling and so listening to you guys i feel like i didn't miss anything in like the five to six years that i stopped watching it and then it encouraged me to go back into watching it i mostly watched raw um because i worked on tuesday so i didn't really get to have a chance to watch smackdown really um, but then like kind of listening to you guys, I'm like, wow, I, it's like, I never left. I mean, there's all these new characters to me. Um, but you know, there's still triple H and then there's still like, um, there's still like a bunch of men, like every once in a while you get a mention of like Eddie Guerrero. And then there's also like, you know, all these new people, like, <laughs> like, um, Sasha Banks and, and, uh, Bailey. And so for me, it's like seeing all the excitement and seeing all this stuff, I, I got really excited again because I'm like, I really missed watching this. Like I know it's cheesy and corny, but at the same time, like it's still enjoyable.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, wrestling is, it's in a really good, it's in a really good place right now. It's in a very new place for them, I want to say, um, because the, you know, the bigger storylines in the company do revolve around women, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were a fan of wrestling in like the you know late '90s, early 2000s, you know the way that women were portrayed on TV wasn't the most flattering. When you look back at it, um, you know they were they were more so they were very objectified. They were more so there to be just on candy and to be just. I mean, they were just there to be you know essentially just to be sexy. You know, do whatever they're gonna do, and then that was it. It was like a break between you know, what the wrestlers were doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, now they're main eventing events. They're having their own pay-per-views. They're, um, I mean, damn, I'm, I'm going to be really disappointed if Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch and Charlotte don't main event WrestleMania this year. Yeah. There's no reason to not main event the card. Um, it, it, it's silly if they don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the way that, you know, and then even that, like, the May Young Classic and NXT, you see all of these, incredibly talented women um from all you know from all parts of the world who are just they're doing things that a some of the men can't do and some of them are doing some of the things the men do but they're doing it better mm-hmm. um it's just it's it's really dope like just to see that that switch and that transition um you know to where to where they're at now like i love it i love it
2: mm-hmm. you know the women
1: also, like the popcorn match like they'd get like you know a three-minute match on TV and that would be the match where everybody either goes to get something you know another drink or you go to the restroom because oh it's you know it's a woman's match something's gonna happen three minutes long it doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. these matches mean
0: yeah no I I basically remember that like just they weren't really like a thing like no one really took like Stacy Keebler like, seriously. And then, like, I just didn't really like the whole... Like, when I was a kid, it was interesting to watch, but I didn't appreciate the the Lita against Trish timeline, um, which now I feel like, you know, going back to wrestling, like, the new Trish Strat- Stratus is actually Alexa Bliss to me. um So, but, yeah, like, it, it wasn't really interesting, but now you have, like, you know, Becky Lynch, who's just, like holy shit, she's powerful. Like, I remember, I was actually in the gym when I saw that episode of, uh, she runs out with the rest of the SmackDown squad, like, basically pummels the entire, like, raw, like, women's roster, and then she gets gets blood on her face, and I just sat there, like, in awe. I'm like, oh my god, I want to be her. Holy fuck. Yeah, that was, that
1: right there, um, we've talked about this on the podcast, um, That is probably going to be her one of her defining moments of her career. Uh, One, the fact that even the men aren't allowed to bleed. um, They don't show color on TV anymore like they used to. You don't see people getting busted open all the time. If it happens, it's an accident. Mm
2: -hmm. It's never on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's for you know on on the level that it was when Becky and them stormed. And she caught, that, she caught that hand from, from Naya mm-hmm. and busted her, put her shit open and she bled and she continued to whoop ass. Mm-hmm. And then just that tonic picture of her at the
1: end when she's standing in the crowd, blood covering her face. She like, you know, wiped her face and wiped it on her shirt. and like, I was like, that was so hard. I was like, oh my God, this is like the craziest shit I've seen. This is like when Stone Cold Steve Austin... Uh, passed out in the sharpshooter, you know, Oh man. with the blood cover. Like, that is iconic like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that mo- that moment is going to be ingrained in wrestling fans' memories
0: forever. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah, I I 100% agree. And that was, like, for me, to see all of that, like, amazing. I could go on about, like, how well they've been, like, representing characters like her. I really appreciate Nia Nia Jax and, like, the body of positivity, like, she still whoops ass when she's, like, bigger than all the other women. Like, she doesn't hold back, but also, like, she, you know, on her Instagram and whatnot, like, she shows, like, I'm still beautiful regardless of, like, how big I am, you know? Like, that whole movement. Um, And so, yeah, WWE is doing a really good job with everything that they're doing right now. Um, Of course, things aren't perfect, (laughs) but, um, you know, like, there sh- there can be like less i don't know what's the word i'm looking for this can, this might turn for like a left turn but like some of like the the racial stereotyping with like the characters can be a little bit like less like i understand like identity with culture but i also don't like like because of this person being like a color like it shouldn't be like for example like oscar like i I like her wrestling style and I like all the multicolored hair, but like sometimes like what the geisha looks like, it can be, it still feels a little overdone to me. Um, but other yeah, than that,
1: I just want to, I just want to correct you really quickly because you actually mispronounced her name. Um, it's actually Trashka, <laughs> uh, Just so, so you know, um, I can't let that, I, I, I can't let that.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Trashka, That's right. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah.
0: you're like trash. Um, uh, <laughs> I am not personally a fan of uh, of hers.
1: I don't understand the gimmick. I don't like the gimmick, but it's neither here nor there.
0: <laughs> I still like her colored hair, though. I think I like it. At least, I mean, um, I mean up until the point, like you know, Takashi's Six Nine started getting popular, and then I'm like, okay, maybe she needs to find a new look. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> maybe that's what gets in witness protection. He can be an, a trashka body double
0: a trash company double yeah i can't wait to get his ass whooped for that <laughs> oh man is he like is he actually like going through the witness protection program i don't even know like is he is it like for uh, I real uh-huh. i don't know like that's like people are saying
1: that's what might happen but i'm like i don't know how that's gonna work when you look like rainbow Brite. so i don't know
0: yeah Um, Okay, so one last thing um, about the podcast, and I'll move on to something else. But um, so the thing I've noticed, like, as of recently is that how, I guess, just kind of going with, like, the more uh, progressive approaches to your guys' podcast. Again, you guys are a group of men. You guys are a group of men that are, like, in your 30s and getting close to 40 um, or already in your 40s. I don't know your guys' age, but I don't care. (laughs) But, um,
2: we're not 40 40
0: though, not 40 yet. Okay, you guys are under 40. (laughs) Um, but basically, uh, from what I noticed is that you guys have also been, um, when you guys discuss topics, there's also a lot of like masculine like vulnerabilities that you guys address a lot. Um, which is really to me like important. For me to listen to when i'm listening to like a group of guys talk because sometimes like guys talk like guys i get that um but like when you guys address issues like you guys are very level headed about how things are being addressed so for example i think i don't think it was this recent episode but i think it was the re- episode before that when you guys had i think what's his name um derek Montilla with you yeah. uh yeah. that it's the podcast started off with um wow. dave or the neox um basically, like, talking about his anxieties and how, like, he went to the ER and, like, how, um, like, he just, like, you know, talking about having anxiety, essentially. And so, um, to me, that's a big thing because, um, like, I personally experience it, but, like, for me, like, whenever I say, like, everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, like, you know, you're doing all the right things when you're, like, taking care of it, right? But, like, whenever, like, I hear any of, like, my guy friends talk about it, especially those who are, Uh, very, like they're straight males, and they kind of grew up in like the masculine culture, Um, they don't really have, they've never been really conditioned to be vulnerable, um, or to express how they're feeling, or if they were to feel it, like the the common assumption is that, oh, I sound weak, or I sound like a pussy, so like, I don't want to express any of that, so um, what's your take on when you guys are talking more about stuff like that and also when you guys talk about, you know, death or like sickness, like um, what's, did you guys like formally talk about it or is just something that you guys have always embraced? Like what's, wh- what's your thoughts on that? Um, I, I
2: appreciate, you know, the, the acknowledgement
1: for that because I think um, I think one, talk about some of the things that we talk about and the way that we talk about them is important. Um, you know, we are a group of men. Um, we do, at times we're going to talk like men because that's what men do, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we, you know, individually all of us are very, very level headed. Um, we're not, none of any, any of us are shy of our emotions. Um, we're very vocal and you know, we are going to talk about, you know, some of the, the, the tougher things to talk about out loud that, you know, typically guys maybe wouldn't talk about, um, whether it's mental health issues, because and if you really think about it, um, it's, 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 it's a very taboo topic in general. And then you add on the fact that we're a group of minority men.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, an
1: even, it's an even bigger taboo topic amongst Latino families, black families. Like, you don't talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. No one talks about it. Um, you know, and yet we all do. We're, we're comfortable doing it. Um, I think it's important because I think there's a lot of people out there who, who listen who might be afraid to talk about something or talk about, you know, mental health is a really big thing right now um, everywhere. You've got to figure there's people that are afraid to talk to somebody about what they're going through. Maybe they don't feel comfortable, you know, I, I, You know, and for me, I'm like, you shouldn't, you should always be, you should always have someone that you know you can turn to and talk to about anything. Um, I'm lucky to have a handful of people I know I can go to, you know, if I'm going through some shit, I need to talk and, you know, say some things that I'm not necessarily going to share with everybody, mm-hmm. you know? So to me, it's really important. Um. And I, and I think the fact that we do it in the way that we do it, um, I hope it brings light, you know, for some people. I hope it it, it shows people that it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, it's okay to not feel, you know, like you can't, you know. It's it's okay to feel like you may not have all your shit together right now. Yeah. Because low hold I guarantee, there's more people in this world who don't have their shit together. than they do have their shit together, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think, it, and it's, I think it's important just to share that because I mean, our I, I want to believe we have a very diverse um, group of, of listeners who listen to our podcast. Um, you know, a lot of them probably discovered Matt Mani because they're fans of Rand and what he does musically, and you know, this is a complete 180 from, from that. Um, and then you just got people who just, who who, found, who find us, who are fans of wrestling, whatever, whatever. Um, so I think we have a very diverse group. And I think there's probably a lot of people listening who are very, they very much relate to everything that we are talking about. And um, I would hope that they feel that, they, they feel like we do a good job like you feel like we do a good job. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it's important. I think, you know, these issues are very real and it's important to talk about them. It's, it's, it's bad when you just push things under the rug. You need to get you need to you know get it out and talk about things. If you're going through something, talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, and 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 as you know, voice five nine. You know, has a, he has a, a, a song in one of the lines. Like, you know, go check on, go check on your like your. Like, go, go go check on your uh, your strong friend. Yeah. It's, 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 always check on your strong friend. It's like You never know. Like the person you think might be the strongest
0: could be going through the worst shit, and then not letting anybody know. Yeah. So check on your. They're going everybody. Mm Mhm. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Like, I've always like you know considered myself like personally like as a very strong person. Um. And also like I'm also the person that like a lot of my friends come to like what do I do what do I do what how should I approach this and then. Um. I was hit with, like, my own anxiety, like, like, or more aware of, like, what it was, like, literally less than three years ago. And it was the scariest thing in the world because I felt like I was going crazy. <laughs> and every time I talked about it with friends, they're like, no, you're fine. And it's like, well, I, I don't know if I'm fine. Like, this feels scary. Like, is this the end of my life? Um, And so, like, I had to find, like, you know, different people to acknowledge, like, what's going on. And luckily, it didn't take long for me to acknowledge those people. um, Or not acknowledge, find the right people to surround myself with. Um, But when you find those people, like, making sure that you keep them really nice and close, so that way, like, you're... Again, not using them 100% of the time (laughs) Uh, and just to, like, bend out all your problems, but to at least know that, like, someone out there actually really cares about you and really cares about your well-being. And it's the same for, like, you know, all my guy friends, like, making sure, like, whenever they are having an issue or, like, whatever is going on, that they must reach out to somebody or find the right person to reach out to. Um, Definitely sometimes harder, uh, definitely easier said than done, Um, but yeah, like, again, it's so important that you guys are bringing those things up. And it's so important that, um, especially from you guys, that it's like, okay, how do I become an ally of people of this? We need to talk about it. We need to validate it. We need to say, like, we have these issues too, or bring up, like, you know, anecdotal examples of our friends. So, um, but yeah, like, I really appreciate that. And same thing with the whole point of being a minority, like, I, I grew up in a black household, and, like, my my dad uh, would laugh it off. Like, he didn't think of it as anything, or he'd just be like, that person crazy, you know? I also had my best friend who grew up with her parents who were from Guadalajara, and they never really acknowledged anything. They're just like, uh, it's whatever. Just, you need to probably eat something. Okay, <laughs> <Get it> right? <laughs> um by the way um i know this is kind of a tangent but congratulations on your dad's uh retirement um
1: oh thank you yeah that was uh that was dope it's still uh it's still weird that he doesn't work anymore because he's been a firefighter my whole life but um, if anybody earned uh you know to ride off into the sunset and do what he wants to do it's my pop. so
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah big shout out to my dad it's uh it's crazy, but it's really
0: dope. Yeah, uh, for those who are listening, uh, Rock's dad was a firefighter for a majority of his yep. life. Yep. Yeah, that's freaking yep. dope. Like, what was that like? Yep. Like living with someone like who would go out all the time on emergencies. Like, how, what was that like? Um, you know, it
1: was it was someone I was always really proud of as a kid. You know, knowing my dad was a firefighter. Um. You know, it was always cool to like be able to, you know, when you, people ask what your what your parents do, you tell them your dad's a firefighter. It's like, oh man, you're like, okay, that dude's that dude, that, dude, that dude's dope. So, um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. He he did a lot in his career. Um, and it was, like, he was on TV and the newspaper multiple times, and uh, he was on True TV, one of those like most daring rescue shows. He was on that. Um, and then he only, you know, luckily he only really got minimally hurt on the job, never anything too serious. Mm-hmm. Um, you
2: know, and, you know, I, it's funny, like, thinking about it.
1: I, as a kid, I don't ever remember being afraid that my, you know, something might happen to my dad. And I thought my dad was invincible. But I, I, I never had to thought that something bad could happen while he was working. And then, you know, as an adult, I think I worried more as an adult. Mm-hmm. you know like damn pop's got to run into this building right now like what if something bad happens like i never thought about that when i was younger but as i got older i kind
2: of did yeah uh, but
1: like i said luckily he never you know he, he was injured very very minor so you know, nothing nothing crazy and considering what he was doing you know doing mountain rescues and rappelling off the of helicopters and just doing all kinds of crazy shit
2: <laughs> um
1: you know, he, he, he never got hurt, man. Um, I, I, to, I, I told him, and I, I've said it before on the podcast when my dad was my putover one week. Um, for me, if you look in the dictionary and you look up the definition of a firefighter, just put a picture of my dad. Yeah. To me, that is, you know, that is the epitome of what a firefighter is and was and will always be. Yeah.
2: He was a
1: fire, firefighter. Um, if anybody out there listening has a family member who's a firefighter, you'll go get that reference. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fully, he was full on fire, he was full on firefighter. He yeah. knew it, he, he, he wore it, he loved it, um, you know, and, and, you know, God bless him for it, because I'm, I'm not built that way. I'm not, <laughs> running, I'm not running, I'm running out of that building, not running out
0: of that building. <laughs> You're like, it's too hot, bars are too hot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> nah, nah. There's this flame, smoke, and you can't see. Nah, I'm good. I'm gonna chill right here. I'm gonna let you handle that. Go do your thing. Pop, hold it down. Like,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful this year, especially towards firefighters, just because of the fact that like California has had. I mean, you live in Arizona, so I can't imagine how many fires you guys probably have. But we just lost a full city in like NorCal, oh, yeah. and then. Uh, we also lost a bit of Malibu and we like not even two years ago, my brother who lived out in like Sonoma County, where all like where like Napa and stuff is at or where all the wineries are, and there was a big yeah. fire there and his place almost got burned down. So basically all of the firefighters out in California, like even the firefighters from San Jose where I currently live, they're they're being transferred out to go fight those things. And um it's scary for me to watch on TV. Like, I know I'm not being directly impacted, but it's, everyone's been working really hard. And also people have been working really hard for like relief funds or like relief, um, basically like relief, like dinners or relief, like fundraisers. And like, it's, it's, it's not easy. Like, and some of these firefighters don't come home. Yeah. So no, that's,
2: that's, a, that's
0: yeah.
1: Like, especially when it comes to the ones that are fighting the wildfires. Um, there's actually, um, I I, 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 would assume it probably made national news when it happened, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, there was a, a really bad wildfire a few years ago, um, in Arizona, um, and a group, a, a whole, it, it was actually, there was a movie made about it too, the, the Josh Bowman movie
2: where he's fire movie.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I for the guys the yarn now, I think it's nine, the 19, um, you know, hotshots that, that guy, um you know, up in, up in Arizona fighting wildfires, like, yeah, that's a real, um, that's a real scary part of it, my dad was, he was a part of, he went up, when he was a firefighter, he, he retired with Phoenix, he originally started with Glendale, and, uh, the city of Glendale, um, he went to, a, a, to this, a, a city called, near Payson, and there was, a, it was a, a wildfire in, like, 1990, um, 90 or 91, And he he has always said that was one of the only times he actually thought he might not come home. Yeah. Uh, He said that it was the most unpredictable thing, you know, he had ever seen, um, because you don't think about it, but, like, those winds control everything, and they can sway the direction of a fire in a split second. Yeah. And he said it was, like, the scariest, one of the scariest things, um, to deal with, so, um. Yeah, when California was literally, like, on fire with all of those wildfires, it was hard to watch.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Just Like, like, entire, like, you know, neighborhoods and cities just being, you know, decimated. Um, And even worse seeing, like, the videos of people on the the Internet, like, as they're driving to escape. And all you see is, like, the road of smoke, and on both sides of the road, it's, like, red, hot, orange. Like, it's fire everywhere.
0: Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah, um, no, it's definitely, like, really scary. Like, I'm glad it didn't get anywhere close to me, but California is weird. Like, we have fires in cities that will wipe out the whole city like it's a biblical story, and then we also have floodings in, like, the most weirdest parts of town. Um, So we're, like, it's, like, it's either a flooding or a fire or an earthquake. Like, we don't know, and we don't know what's going to happen because the signs are, like, for... For us, it seems like the signs are unpredictable, but like, you know, everything, you know, is somehow driven from like climate change or whatnot. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I just, you know, weather is weather's a bitch for sure. Um, okay, so lastly, I wanna get into uh, talking a little bit about your projects. Um, so I did listen to a little bit of your soul reflections. Um, I oh, hate, yeah. I hate to admit it, I really appreciate a lot of your spoken word uh, on it, but I don't speak Spanish fluently. (laughs) But it's...
1: You want to know something funny? Hmm? I have no idea what they're saying on that fucking intro.
2: Wait, that's not you?
1: No! (laughs) No, that's not me. Oh no! I'm a horrible (laughs) Mexican. Awesome, you thought that was me, I should've
2: ran with that.
0: I, th- I thought that was you the whole time because you talk about Latina Pride, you know, and it's like, okay <laughs> and then I just found out <laughs> Sorry, I need that's a minute. Now that's the uh
1: that's the, the one singing with my homie Sal. Uh, that's funny. Holy shit that's funny.
0: You fucking fooled me.
1: <laughs> that's great. No, yeah, that's uh <laughs> yeah. That's,
0: that's hilarious. That's so y- great. You you don't speak it fluently either?
1: Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> like I I can understand some but yeah, no.
0: Yeah, I'm this I'm the same way. Like I, I I grew up uh again, my Guadalajara neighbors who is also like my best friend Brenda, her I would go to her house all the time and her mom would uh speak to me in spanish and i'd be like uh uh comprendo poquito lo siento sorry you know it's just like i i wish i could understand or if she goes like pero pero comida comida ahora i'm like yeah i know what that means <laughs> oh, yeah
1: because ain't, ain't no ain't no latina mama gonna let you walk in her house she's not gonna
0: feed you yeah exactly <laughs> you're gonna eat something She's like, "Veto, you hungry? Veto, you hungry? And I, sometimes I'll come over with a full stomach like, no, no, child, I'm okay. And she goes, no, 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 let me feed you. And I'm like, no, child, please don't. <laughs> yeah,
2: you can't tell them no.
0: Either. They're going to give it to you. Yeah, um, but uh, I learned a lot of my Spanish from that family. And then I took a little bit in high school, um, but, you know, public education. It, it When I got up to Spanish three, it was like, it was a joke. Like I can go into that, but I don't want to speak poorly on behalf of the teacher I had, but, uh, yeah, like that kind of died out. And, but like, you know, I've played around on Duolingo, like I'll still watch like some telenovelas on like YouTube. Um, and so that way I can kind of brush up on some things. And I've also actually kinda taught a little bit of music in Spanish, uh, but only like very simple, like terms, like, um, so, for example, if I'm, like, trying to get, like, all the kids' attention, I'll say, okay, estamos listo," and then all the kids are like, "See." Sí. i I'm like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> um, That's great. Yeah, but other than that, like, I can't speak full sentences, like, I will listen, and then it's like, I'll get a lot of keywords, but I won't really put, there's a lot of missing gaps for me. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, go ahead. I'm,
1: I'm up. horrible
0: mexican i don't speak i don't
1: speak a lick so i wish i did i I really wish i did but yeah i
0: just nope never learned it no worries it's okay that that happens (laughs) (laughs) um okay but do you want to like kind of speak about that project in general because like i did notice like how your flow is again very spoken word it's not like super rhythmic rap it's just like you're really telling a story you're really like you know expressing poetry so do you want to get into that a little bit um, yeah, Soul Reflections, man, <clears throat> excuse
2: me, the funny part is, that album actually turned 10 this year, um, happy that, birthday, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: um, yeah, that one was a, it was, I, it was a phone call made to my man, Cisco, or lost perception from the council, one of the main producers of, of, the, of the album, um, and I was like, yo, I want to do an album, and I want to do it with you guys, and he was like, dope, we're down, um, so, at that point, I just, uh, I had some stuff written, and then I just kind of, like, the funny part is, I don't, I don't write the music,
2: mm-hmm. um, I can't, like, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me that way,
1: you know, even when I was doing stuff with, like, the Writers Guild, those are all for, you know, high-caliber, top-notch MCs, um who are able to write to a beat,
2: not me, I write to a beat, Uh, I don't write to the beat, and oddly enough, I know how to count bars, Mm -hmm. but
1: when I'm writing, I don't know how to, I don't formulate my, the way that I write in bar structure. Okay. Um, I write what I write, um, I don't, I'm a firm believer for me, I, I do my best to hardly, or to never edit. I don't edit a lot. I, I don't edit my writing at all very much. Um, what you see in the, in, in the finished product is essentially how it was pretty much put on that page. Um, I'm not a big fan of editing. I've never liked editors.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that's one why I could never be a journalist because I'm not going to write something and have someone tell me to take this out and shorten that. I don't work that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the
1: way that I write is the way that I write. When I start is when I start, and where I finish that's when I'm done. Um, I don't like I don't like confinement I don't like structure when it comes to writing one of the reasons why I cannot stand haikus I hate haikus you gotta write (laughs) I don't like having to write in a certain format I I just like to write get it out and do it yeah um so out of what you hear on that album um oddly enough I mean it it all you would maybe assume there was you know parts of me writing that to the music but there wasn't um And honestly, in the early recording process, it was me recording everything a cappella, and
2: then they
1: would layer beat because I had a really hard time initially recording with music. Yeah. Um, I just, I hear things differently. And the funny part is, for someone who is as into production and lyricism and and scenes, you would think that would be something that would be easy for me to wrap my head around in the grass and to be able to do um, Nah, it really wasn't. It took a lot of a, a lot of time, a lot of a lot of practice. Um, and a lot it was too. I, I had to get comfortable with it. Uh, and, and you know, throughout the process of the album, <clears throat> I did get more and more comfortable. Um, and then I was doing a ton of features. Like
2: mm-hmm. I did a ton of features,
1: like between 2006 and I want to say probably 2010 and 11. I probably got on like 30 or 35 songs with different artists, you know, out here. And I was on everything. Like I I was I, like, it, the funny part is like when I was in TSOI on, on our album, the, the, the track that I'm on is coincidentally enough. It's called rock knowledge.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that was the only song that I had on the album. That was my own, That was my only appearance um, on the album. And then, the funny part is what came from that was me being reached out to to do features on everybody's thing. Like, shout out to my man Blaze Rock.
2: Mm-hmm. Blaze
1: Rock was the first one who reached out to me and asked me to get on a record. Um, from there, it just I started appearing on this, appearing on that, doing this song, doing that song, doing this song. Um, you know, and that's kind of how I... Um, I guess it's kind of like, you know, grinded it out and just kind of got into, you know, a a real good groove where, you know, I was becoming more and more comfortable with my writing. And, um, you know, my delivery is, you know, I like, I love spoken word, um, but I also feel like the way that I do spoken word is very different from what you would probably think you would see at a spoken word show. Mm -hmm. And I say that because, i think a lot of people are gonna they're gonna connect spoken word with like slam poetry Mm -hmm. um and for me personally and if if you're a slam poet don't take offense to this um i can't stand slam poetry i don't like that style i don't like that i don't like that style of delivery um when it comes to spoken word i I don't like the over enunciation of words i don't like dragging words out Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um i i kind of feel like the way that i The way that I go about my business, um, and I think it is because I am so influenced by hip-hop and and MC in general, um, I think my delivery is kind of like a hybrid um, where, you know, yeah, some people do say I'm rapping. I'll never cop to that. I'll never say I'm a rapper. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be low rapper. Um, But I also feel like the way that I do it, it it is spoken word, uh, but it's different. It's not traditional, you know, and... And then even then, my content. The content on that album um, is, is, is not traditional, which mm-hmm. you would expect from, uh, from a spoken word artist. It's very, um, there's stories on there, like, um, man, Trap Within. Trap Within is one of my favorite songs um, because it's telling a story. Um, I like, I, I, love, I love that song. Like, I, I remember writing that song and what went into recording that and all the samples that are in that song um i love that shit um (laughs) you know so um another really important one is a million steps a million steps is a song written about my nana um she was like my nana on my dad's side was next to my mother the two greatest women in my entire life is my mother and my nana um and her name was uh, her name was and i grew up spent so much time at my nana and father's house um i was the first born male filopso, grandchild
2: mm-hmm.
1: so i was like um i was very spoiled by my grandparents
2: uh, anything
1: <laughs> i needed um you know i would go there and get dropped off in the morning and my nana would make me she'd make me breakfast every day she'd make sure and eggs for me she'd make whatever i wanted um, i was <laughs> was very
2: spoiled and she I miss her so much yeah. she passed away when I uh was a freshman in high
1: school and I'm, I'm sad for my brother because my brother at the time he was like two and a half three years old so he doesn't remember her mm-hmm. so I'm so sad that they, he didn't get that chance to, to experience her um, and I'm also really sad for my nephew Milo
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, my sister my sister Monica's baby. Like I love that little dude, and my Donna would have adored him. Mm-hmm. You know, like and and also like going back to like me talking about like you know the important people in my life. Like I wish some of my like my best friends and my homies could have met her. Mm-hmm. Like it was everything. I was, I miss her so much, and I, I wrote that song A Million Steps about her. Um, I have a Million Steps tattooed on my forearm. I have her name tattooed above my wrist. Um, she was she was everything man the, I, the back cover the, the, oddly enough the back cover of that album um, the actual like CD artwork the back cover is um, it's a photo from my parents wedding but it's my nana and my papa mm-hmm. and I'm on the back um, so that that done a lot to me and, um, you know everybody everybody that worked on that album too because everything on that was hand-picked yeah. the artist thats um, the interludes with the like the, the interludes that are done um, by the MCs—they were hand-picked by me. Like I, I I picked each one of those guys to be on this project. Um, Sal, and, you know Sal on the beginning—that was a handpicked choice. Ed mm-hmm. um, Sue who does the scratches um, on track the, the track right after the Spanish intro—he um, was hand-picked and. You know, my man Lowe's on there, Ocean, Grappler, um, Deontay from Cutthroat. It's just uh, Blaze Rockman on there. He just tried. It was, uh, it, was it, it was, a fun process uh, looking back on it. Um, I wish we would have done more. I wish I could have done more, I should say, with, you know, the physical release. You know, I was blessed to have a big release show, a big release party out here in, in, in Tempe. I also got to have a really big listening party at um, an event we had out here called Groove Candy. Um, So, like, I I had a lot of support, Um, and I look back on that. Like I said, it's going to be 10 years this year, and it's it's hard to believe. I I listen to it from time to time. Um, I cringe a little bit, and I only say that because I know that was me early on in the recording process, and I know how I, I got better. You know, yeah. so yeah. I also look back. I mean, some of the writing that I did, that's where I, and I joke about this all the time. <laughs> I, always tell, I always tell people that I fell off uh, because I, I listened to what I was writing at that time and I'm like, how did I even come up with that? Like, I can't wrap my head around how I did that because my creative process or what I was going through at that time is so different from what it is now.
0: Yeah. Um, if you ever. <laughs> So for, like, you know, just, like, thinking back and looking at, like, you know, projects that you've done or, like, you know, previous things that you've done, I always think about, like, you know the rap group Atmosphere, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, listening to his early stuff since, like, Overcast, comparative to, like, Fishing Blues, lead guy, like, Slug, his style and, like, what he talks about is so contrasting now. Like, he still, like, has almost, like, the same inflections and everything like that. But, like, it's amazing, like, how, like, dated, you can tell how dated he is, but not in a bad way. It's just, like, how, like, he grows. And so I use, like, what he's done kind of, like, as motivation to remember, like, I was at one point, I was at one point and I could get to another point. And hopefully, like, you know same thing with you. Like, I hope like one day, like you can consider that too. Like when, whenever you're writing stuff now, or however you're expressing your thoughts as of late, like you can, you know, just like kind of basically write a canvas of like how, what you're, what you're, what you were like at one point of your life. And then like, you know, show an evolution of like how you are now, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. So that's what I think is like really beautiful about music is, or like expression Um, essentially is that how like how you can go from like one end either dive or dive down or excel up to another like like checkpoint and get to another checkpoint because it really like outlines your story um, you know just based off of your experiences and also showcases that to everybody else who needs to relate so Um, no, like I really enjoyed it, like listening to some of it. I still haven't got through all of it, to be honest, which I hate to admit, but, um, I'm more, I'm I'm more motivated to like, you know, listen through it a little bit more. Um, and then lastly, I, how often are you, are you still blogging? Yeah,
1: I do. Um, there's a lot of content on there. Um, I think a lot of, there's a lot of, um, some of my best writing. Mm -hmm. Um, is on that blog. Um, uh, at some point, I think I'll, I'll probably begin to update frequently, you know, more frequently. I'm I am in, and I've been in a really, really strange, weird um, spot
2: when it comes to creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't I don't have
1: the urge or the want um, to write, and I don't feel inspired. Oddly enough, <laughs> um, to write, and the times that I've tried, I've like I've written a couple things, you know, fairly recently here and there, and I, I go back and reread them, and to um, me they're okay. Um, and the problem with that is for someone like me, uh, who has a certain you know standard to what I want to. Hold myself to. I don't feel like I'm necessarily anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the stuff just kind of sits, either. Well, it mainly sits in my notepad on my on my iPhone because you know it's much easier to type words out than it is to actually pick up a pen and write them. Uh, which is really sad because I actually do miss like actually like writing in books or in notebooks
2: and on paper. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah, it, it, it's tough. Yeah. am um, trying to find some to spark. Um, stick for some creative
1: energy. Like um, I know there's, there's. I mean, there's things that I'm going through right now, like you know, emotionally and whatnot. Where I, I would think that with some of the things that I'm dealing with, that I'd be able to write, just channel all that to, you know, you know, some words. But <clears throat> nah, it, it, it doesn't. Um, I like. There's times where I've like tried to, you know, I'll open up the notepad and I'll just, you know, start jot down a couple words and. Hoping that, you know, because for me, um, previously, my creative process was completely organic.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't where I would ever, like, sit down somewhere and, like, plan to write. I
1: would literally get an idea and drop what I, whatever I was doing and start writing. Um, whether it be I'd be at work, I'd be out, I would be driving. I, look, I, I used to have a, uh, a voice recorder in my car where I would literally just, Say what I was thinking out loud, so I wouldn't forget it while I was driving. Yeah. Because um, I was, it was there, you know, things were just coming and they were coming to me like that. And um, it's, for me, it's all about spontaneity. Um, you know, planning to sit down to write doesn't necessarily always work for me. But um, you know, when I get that spark and that idea, um, it used to come and it used to come very frequently, and it used to be very easy to be honest with you. Like to get that idea and just start and just go for me I always felt like the hardest part the hardest parts of anything that I've ever written is the first couple lines and the last couple lines everything in the middle is going to work itself out yeah it's how do I get your attention immediately and how do I close this so you know that it's over yeah um, those are always parts of what I and that might be the same for everybody um, but for me especially those first couple of lines are everything and <laughs> It's funny, like, I can go through, like, drafts and emails. I used to write my Gmail account, too, because I used to always have it open at work. I can go through my drafts, and you'll see, like, 25 drafts in a row, and you can open all of them. It'll be, like, one or two sentences, because I would get, like, I would get, like a thought, and then it'd be gone. Like, I couldn't get past those for a couple of lines. Yeah. There's also going to be that thought, and I write, like, four pages. You know, it's just, it, it's really strange. And, like, for me now, I don't have that. I haven't been, like, inspired to write. I haven't been, um, like I said, I haven't felt the need, the to want to, to do it, even though there's things that I want to do. Like, the Writers Guild currently working on an album. Um, I'm, not, I'm not actively a member um, with them because I stepped away from doing music entirely. Um, a while back, and but at the same time, like I was telling Rand, like, I want to get, like I, I would love to be a part of this album, because when we were, when we initially started doing the writer's field, we never got to get a complete album done, mm-hmm. um, and they're working towards that, and I'm, I'm hoping to be a part of that, and Rand was like, hell yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to do that, and I've thought about, like, you know, putting little feelers out there and be like, yo, I'm doing features, you know, if you, wanna, if you want something, get at me, like, and I'll just do it. Um, just to see if, like, forcing the issue a little bit might kind of, like, jump start some shit, and hopefully maybe I'll be able to put more than two sentences together, you know, and I'll feel good about it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, time's going to tell. Writing is my passion. I love it. You know, it's, it's up there with music. Um, so it's always going to be a part of me. It's the way that I express myself the best. Um, you know, at some point I'll be back to blogging actively and really put a lot of stuff up there um, and hopefully maybe get back to doing some, some joy, some music um, I've talked about maybe doing a follow up album you know uh, just to cap to, just to everything you know, just, just follow it up um, we'll see if that happens, so there's a lot of things that go into that logistically um, but I thought about doing a follow up to Soul Reflections um, I've also thought about doing a book, doing a poetry book, compiling everything that I have written over the course of. I mean, damn, I've really been focusing on my writing since like 2000 and like two. So I have a good like seven years worth of material, and the progression and just the thing, just my style, and the way that I write. That I that I write. It's funny when I read some of my early stuff in the early 2000s, and you get to like the mid 2000s. Then you get to, like, the later stuff, and it, it's a complete 180. I'm not, like, the person that I was then isn't the person that I am now, and it, it's just crazy because you can totally get that by the way that I was, like, you know,
2: compounding
0: my thoughts and putting out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Like, if you do that, I would definitely take a look at it, and I feel like everybody who's listening right now should be looking at the stuff that he's been writing and expressing. Like, it's, no, you, you, have, some, you have some good stuff, and I – I appreciate that. I was actually thinking about like how you're rhyming and I was just like, oh, it would be really cool if you can just like, like just spit out like an acapella of something and then someone actually writes the music or chords like behind it. So instead of you following a meter, the meter has to follow you. You know what I mean? So I feel like that would be like a really cool thing to do. Um,
2: Like that's really dope.
0: Yeah. Um, so we are getting to uh, some closing parts of this, and the one closing part is I would like to just kind of go over your plugs one more time. So how can people find you, Rock?
1: Yeah, um, I am on most. Actually, I'm on the, I'm on every social media platform. That's like major, I guess. Twitter, Instagram. It's Rock Knowledge, R O K N O W L E D G E. Um, I'm to forewarn you on Twitter, I have no filter, <laughs> what, I what, what I say is what I say. The Ned
0: Slanders, um, I mean Slanders, god damn it. <laughs> right,
1: um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very open, I, I don't hold back, you know, I recently, I recently got banned for a day because I said some not nice things about Ann Coulter and Toby Loren, but who likes them anyway? Um, <laughs> So, yeah, find me on there, uh, on, what, else, what else
0: am I on? You oh, mispronounced Tommy's me. name, by the way. It's, it's Tamagotchi Laguini. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my
0: goodness. Anyway, yeah. sorry, go on.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, um, you can also find me on WordPress. Um, this is, this, it's, it's that, let me talk right. Um, this is my life in words. wordpress.com. Um, If you want to listen to Soul Reflections, you can go to Rock Knowledge, R-O-K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E dot WordPress dot com, or not WordPress, Bandcamp dot com. Mm -hmm. Um, The album's up there. You can listen to it. You can buy it if you like it enough. Whatever, just grab it, listen to it, whatever you got to do. What else? What else? What else? Obviously, you can find me um, every week on the Matt Mania podcast. Um, with MegaRan, EOX, he called village villain, record uh, every week, you got the Mad Mania podcast, look for us on Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast, we're there, um, and yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much everything, if you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Facebook, if you can't, it's all good, um, I'm <laughs> way more active on Dames Twitter, Dames. and Instagram anyway, players. so, um, yeah, that's where to find me and all my content, all my ramblings, all my ramps, and
0: me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so like you said, just find them at Rock Knowledge, R-O-K, and then spell the rest of the word knowledge. <laughs> uh, thanks again for listening to Don't Cast and Drive. This is Veronica Christie, sometimes V, and Rock Knowledge. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>